Welcome to the Rebel Heart Coaching Podcast, where BSN registered Hey there, friend. Thanks for joining me today. Coming at you without a microphone because the cord for my microphone got damaged. So I'm curious how the sound quality will come out. I did a little test and before recording today and it sounded a little bit different, but hopefully you can hear me okay just on a regular headset. I was thinking a lot about how in therapy right now, I'm doing a couple different modalities. I'm doing, I'm working with my therapist with a modality called brain spotting. I know some of you either have done that yourself or have heard of it, and maybe you haven't. And the other modality I'm doing is EMDR. And so I've been thinking a lot about our subconscious mind and the way that we're programmed. And so today's episode is about the importance of your subconscious mind. And the reason that I wanted to talk about this is because we can read all the self-help books, we can listen to all the podcasts, we can do all the workshops, but guess what? If we don't figure out a way to change our subconscious programming, nothing is really going to change, at least drastically. So if you want to change your life, you have to change your subconscious mind and the paradigms and programs that have been conditioned and programmed in. But the thing is, is the subconscious mind is a bit of a mystery. Where is it? What is it? And how do we really change it? These are the questions that I have had in the past that I've sought to answer for myself. And I'm still in the process of walking through solving for that. But I'm finding more of the answers along the way. And I wanted to share some of those with you today. I'm going to explain it and try to break it down. And there's many people throughout our history that have talked about this subject. And there's so many people who have done research about the subconscious mind. And a few of my favorite people that I've learned from, and I will reference here, include Bob Proctor, Joe Dispenza, and Bruce Lipton, but there's many more people that have done work. And so I don't want to forget to include their profound influence in my life and in other people's lives around this topic. So the conscious mind is our intellect. It has a neutral power flowing into us and through us. And it not only includes our senses, which are seeing, hearing, smelling, tasting, and touching, but it also includes our higher faculties. And that's what sets us humans apart from say animals. And these faculties are super important and they are imagination, reasoning, perception, will, and will by the way is what gives you the ability to focus. It also includes memory and intuition. I'm going to repeat those again because they're really important. So just consider each one. We're talking about our conscious mind right now and what our conscious mind does for us. And it includes all of our senses, the seeing, the hearing, the smelling, the tasting, and the touching. 
but then these higher faculties that set us apart as humans from other animals and allow us to dream and create our imagination, reasoning, perception, will, which is what gives you the ability to focus, memory, and intuition. The conscious mind has the ability that's so incredible and we take it for granted, but it has this ability to create images from the natural energy that is flowing into us all the time and it is flowing into our mind and into our brain and into our body. We would not be able to get the images that we do and we would not be able to manifest or create. We get images and this is the gift. We do have the ability too to choose what images we think will be helpful for our growth and progress and we can act on those images and we can reject images that aren't for our progress or at the right time for us in this moment. The other cool thing, and I've addressed this in a previous podcast series, but with our conscious mind, we can think thoughts on purpose and we can decide which thoughts that we choose with our conscious mind. Now, those thoughts will eventually turn into pictures as well. And then here's something super cool. The pictures that we see in our mind's eye then get turned over to our subconscious mind and it expresses itself through the action of your body and then into eventually a tangible result that manifests that we can see and touch and taste and hear with our senses. The conscious mind can also accept or reject ideas or images and it can create thoughts from source energy. And what is so cool is our intellect then, our conscious mind, it is actually the bridge between the spirit realm and higher energetic realms and then our physical body, which is denser. So ideas then will become manifestations if we believe them for an extended period of time and allow them. But the problem with most people is that They're thinking mostly about what they don't want. So oftentimes they're getting mixed results or results they don't want. So our minds, our conscious mind is so incredible to have this ability to turn pictures and words into manifestations on purpose. And sometimes we don't think about this process, but we are very much involved in that process. And the more conscious we can be about that process, the better results we're probably going to get. So that was our conscious mind. So now we're going to move into the subconscious mind and stick with me here as I explain what the subconscious mind is. So the subconscious mind is our emotional mind. It is also the body. The subconscious mind manifests in the body. It's where we store our beliefs, our paradigms, our programming. And when I say paradigm, a paradigm is just a collection of thoughts that you've repeatedly thought over and over so much that it becomes a belief that you usually don't question, that you assume to be true, and it also becomes, can become a habit. So basically a paradigm is an habitual, automatic, and autopilot part of the brain body. 
And also what's important is the paradigm in the subconscious is what controls the vibration in our body. And I've talked about this, if you've listened to my past podcasts, how when we have a feeling or sensation, that's just a vibration passing through the body. So the paradigm or beliefs and thoughts that we're thinking will then pass through and it controls this vibration in the body. And then our body controls the actions that we take or actually don't take, which then produces the results in our life or the lack of results. And so when we tend to think thoughts that are in harmony with the paradigm that's already in place. That's how we tend to think about things. And that's why it's so hard for people to change because the beliefs that we have in our subconscious are producing the thoughts we have. So we're not going to be super likely to be able to produce new thoughts outside of this paradigm. So you're probably going, oh great, like how do we fix this? How do we solve this? Well, here's the deal. The subconscious programming, it's responsible for about 95% of our life. And it always is responsible for our behavior. And the subconscious or paradigms that we hold will always win over conscious thought. And it'll trump conscious mind, it'll control the ultimate results. It also dictates your logic or lack thereof. It controls the subconscious in this paradigm, it controls how you utilize your time based on your beliefs about time. It will control your perception of certain situations based on your beliefs. It controls your effectiveness at anything, at any given task or subject. And it also controls how much money you earn in your money mindset based on the stories about money and earning money that you have been programmed with from your childhood, your environment, and your experiences. So here's the deal. Our subconscious mind is like a tape recorder. It really does not have the ability to reject anything. It can only accept it. So when you were a little child or an infant from ages zero to seven, most specifically, you had no way to reject certain programs or paradigms, even if they were faulty or quote unquote bad. So the subconscious does not have the ability to determine if something is really happening in real life or if it's being imagined by the brain. Now, I've mentioned this before on my podcast, and this is actually profound when it comes to us having focused imagery and imagination and visualization. Because when we can focus on something with a powerful image and powerful emotions associated with it, that's getting programmed into our subconscious and our subconscious thinks that it's happening in real time, which is why you could practice doing yoga in your mind. You could practice playing the piano in your mind. You could practice taking that golf shot in your mind. You could practice getting the job of your dreams in your mind. And your body thinks that it's happening in real time. So you are literally programming yourself with your imagery and your heartfelt elevated emotions of like compassion, joy, gratitude when you do visualization. So that's a powerful aspect of the subconscious. So when you impress an idea or a dream on your subconscious mind, 
that will literally alter the vibration of the instrument of your body. Remember, your body is just one huge big molecular structure. Really, all of our bodies, according to metaphysics and quantum physics, are just a mass of energy moving at a very high speed of vibration. Even regular physics tells us this. So we call the conscious awareness of the vibrations in our body feelings, or we know them as sensations. And we are in charge of how we feel. We might not understand that. We might feel like we are at the whim of other people's emotions or commentary. And we do tend to let other people upset us. That's culturally like what we've learned. But we don't have to. It is a choice that we can learn to choose. So we can start to listen and respond to others, but we can also not take their beliefs on as our own. And we can actually reject what they are saying if it, do- it doesn't resonate with us. Sometimes, though, this is where change is hard because... If we're trying to learn something new, it's really hard to hear something if we don't already have a belief or program for it. And this is something that I'm working through as far as, and I think that as humans, we're always working through this. And this is something that I work with clients on too, is that the only time that you can feel something that, you know, if if someone says something to you, the only time that that can hurt your feelings is if you believe them. If you agree with them, if you don't agree on some level with what they're saying, then you're not going to let that into your programming and you can consciously interrupt that pattern of just, you know, taking it personally and being hurt by what they said. Now, it's not wrong to feel feelings. If someone hurts your feelings, you can feel it. But there's something that happens when we consciously interrupt our habitual behavior And we have to build and cultivate awareness in order to do this with our conscious brain. And this is where meditation comes in and other practices like that so that when these patterns that are subconscious on autopilot come up, we can start to tune into them more and understand and learn from them and interrupt them. So it's important that we understand how this works and how the mind and the body are in relationship. So here's another interesting point that I thought of that I really want to make. No one gets energy. So we'll say like, I'm so exhausted, like I really need more energy. But what happens is people actually release energy. That's how we get energy. So I don't know if you've ever heard the commentary about sometimes someone will come home from work and they're exhausted and they feel like they want to sleep. But really, if you go work out or go for a brisk walk outside, you actually get more energy because you release pent up energy that's maybe been stagnant in your body that hasn't been moving or that's been stifled by maybe stress that you've had all day or sitting at your desk and being a little bit sedentary. So I think that that's an interesting point is that when we have a desire or a dream, that is also a trigger that lets our energy flow and helps us elicit ideas. And here's another thing that I was thinking about that I think could seem controversial at first, 
But it's this idea that I don't think we should ever be satisfied with what you've got. What I mean by that is you can be happy with what you've got and have gratitude, but having dissatisfaction and some contrast and things that aren't going well is actually a really creative state. This creates a desire in us to want to do something differently or to be someone different or to do better. It's a little bit of that cognitive dissonance where on the one hand, I'm saying you shouldn't ever be satisfied. You, you can be happy and practice gratitude. You know, I practice gratitude all the time and that gets us really far. But we shouldn't be satisfied. Desire is such an important growth factor for us. It keeps us evolving and growing and keeps us humble if we don't desire things, we kind of get stagnant and we don't have anything to work for. If we don't dream big, you're not inspired. So this energy that gets released kind of comes from having these dreams and desires to always push us forward and grow. But then how do we balance that with also being appreciative and having gratitude for where we are and what we do have and who is in our life, right? So how can you hold both states of mind at the same time as true? And we've talked about that. I've talked about that in other podcasts about the idea of cognitive dissonances, you know, being able to hold two seemingly opposite ideas at the same time. Going back to the subconscious, when you arrive on this planet, your subconscious is wide open, y'all. The conscious mind has not yet formed. And so when we are kids... Our subconscious is first initially programmed genetically, but a majority of the programming comes from our environments. So the thoughts that we're exposed to, the ideas, the images, the people. So when we are children and ages zero through seven is the prime time programming state because we're all in a brainwave state during these ages of zero to seven called theta. And theta is also where hypnosis takes place in the subconscious minds and where humans that are in this state are easily programmable. So theta is a lower vibrational frequency than your conscious from a brain perspective, from like a brain activity perspective. And theta brain waves is why child imagination is really vivid. So in childhood, imagination and the real world are one and the same for kids. And so when we're kids during these ages in particular, we are heavily programmed by observing others, yourself, animals, society, and we just get a mega download of life through your own interpretation. But this download and these beliefs are formed when you have little or no context on most things. And remember, your subconscious is a tape recorder, so it doesn't have the ability to reject ideas. It doesn't have the ability to say like, oh, that's not good for me. I'm going to reject that. It downloads everything. So if you have parents that are always saying there's not enough, we can't afford that, that's what you hear. If you have parents that are saying money is the root of all evil, you're going to hear that and get it programmed into you. It doesn't matter as an adult how many meditations you do, or you're going to have a program that probably won't serve you. If your 
being exposed to parents that are fighting or parents that are divorcing. Everything that you're experiencing for better or worse, and believe me, there's really amazing programs too that allow us to function and thrive. But these first seven years of life are super foundational to your goals and strengths as well as your limitations. Jesuits have a saying and it goes like this, give me a child until it's seven and I will show you the man. Essentially what they're saying, and, and their belief is the same as Dr. Bruce Lipton's, is that they knew that the first seven years of a child's life are critical to who we become for the rest of our life. Now that's not saying that if we have bad programs or grew up in a hard situation or had hard things happen to us, that we're hopeless. There's definitely things we can do to reprogram. Another question that people ask is, how do you know where your programs are maybe faulty or bad and where they're good. And I say, well, look at your life. What things do you do with ease that seem to be not hard at all and what areas of your life and where are areas in your life that no matter how hard you try, you feel like it's really tough or that you just can't get right or that it feels like really hard work and that you just aren't getting it. You know, some people will be really good with money and have no problem with their career, but have really hard time with relationships. Some people, relationships come easy, health comes easy, but they can't get a budget right or money right, and they have money beliefs that are lingering that are self-sabotaging or not serving them. So it's like, look at your life. And again, if you have a lot of things that are hard for you, don't worry, I'm going to go through in this podcast, especially if this is the first time you're hearing this, how you can start changing some of that program. This isn't a death sentence, but just to become aware as much as possible, there's beliefs that are running your life, that are running the show behind the scenes. And until we address those, we're not going to really have major changes in our life. We can change, yes, but these are our core you know, it's like when we program a computer, this is like the hard wiring of our computer, of our subconscious brain. This is our hard wiring, okay? And I want to say that Dr. Bruce Lipton, he states that we're being programmed for our first seven years and then 95%, 95% y'all, of the results in our life come from the programming of the subconscious. Basically, your subconscious is saying to you, hey, this isn't what you were designed to do. This is unrealistic. This isn't for you if you're trying to do something that's not within the program. The programming that you underwent as a child may be causing a lot of internal grief and struggle, but it's also responsible for some of your wins and your success as well. Explaining to you that, and I kind of touched on this a little bit earlier, but we can read new books, we can go to lectures and courses, and we can do all these things, but the information is useless without integrating it and getting the subconscious mind on board. And so we have to reprogram the subconscious mind in order to truly rewire that first seven years. And we have to be able to change our mindset from what that time period in childhood etched into our brain and it'll change, when we can do that, it'll change our hard wiring. Now, there are several ways that I want to go into to reprogram and rewire your subconscious. And I'm not going to go into all of them. I'm going to touch on a few. So in order to rewire yourself, the main 
way that people do that is repetition. So like think about when you're learning to drive a car or when you were a child and learning to walk or if you're an athlete, like the more you swung a golf club or the more you swung a bat, you eventually repeat something so much and what you're doing is you're actually rewiring the neural pathway in your brain and body to have a systematized habitual action and movement that will eventually go on autopilot. So like assuming that you drive, you get in your car, you don't even think about it. You just do it. But think about the first time you drove a car or the first year that you drove a car, everything was new. You had to think about everything. You had to think about, oh my gosh, now I'm going to turn on the blinker and I'm going to turn this car to the left. Everything was really new and hard. Your neurons and your body and your brain didn't have a pathway yet for knowing how to drive. But the more you repeated it, the more comfortable you got. And now you can do it on autopilot. And thank God for our subconscious brain, because it saves us energy. When we can automate something, we don't have to think about it consciously. And it can take less energy. So we just brush our teeth. We know how to do it. We don't have to think about it. We can walk. We get up from a chair and assuming that we're able-bodied and that we are still mobile, we can get up from sitting down and just walk. We don't have to think about it. It's usually not a struggle unless, I, like I said, you're injured or, you know, not able-bodied. So the subconscious is a great thing. So repetition is also how you got programmed, by the way. By seeing something or hearing something over and over, that's how you got programmed. So the main way is repetition. So if you want to play piano, practice piano. If you want to meditate and you want to be able to be the observer of your thoughts, continue to meditate. If you want to be good with money, repeating affirmations over and over as if it's already happened is really powerful. So when we think a new thought or take a new action repetitively, and we keep doing this, we're creating a pathway in our brain and body, and we're creating a repetitive motion and action and thought pattern so that we can reprogram ourselves. But this does take time. And there's different estimates about how long we should do things. But if we hold images of what we want in our mind repeatedly as if they've already happened, this will really tap into using the power of the subconscious reprogramming. So repetition also, as I've mentioned, through affirmations will change the way your subconscious functions. When your brain is in theta, it's also primed to receive hypnosis, which allows our beliefs to bypass the filter of our conscious mind. And then whatever we're listening to or programming in, just like in childhood, it'll go directly into our subconscious. So still in our adult life, the times when we're in our theta brain state is right before we go to sleep. It's that period before we go to sleep, but we're not really alert and awake. And then also as we're waking up out of sleep, but we're not totally awake yet, we're in theta brainwave state. And these are perfect natural times to be programming in new beliefs and thoughts. And you can do that through a variety of ways. So for example, when I get up and before I go to bed, I read affirmations. And I'm going to go over that in a minute, how to do that. 
and I create affirmations based on what I want to create and what I want to reprogram in, but I read them as if they've already happened. And another thing that you can do before sleep, and I know a lot of folks do this, is there's a lot of hypnosis for specific things on YouTube. So you can just put your headphones on or listen on your phone and listen to hypnosis on whatever you're working on right before you go to sleep. And then also right as you wake up, a lot of times people will put on hypnosis then right when you wake up or some sort of a meditation. And this can also be a really cool way along with affirmations to really tap into those periods where you're in that theta brainwave state. And then of course, there's hypnosis practitioners that you can go see who are skilled at dropping you and helping you drop into that theta brainwave state so that you're in a hypnotic state and that you can program something in that you'd like to program in. And I know there's been a lot of success for folks who've wanted to quit smoking with hypnosis as well as weight loss and other things. There's modalities that I mentioned like hypnosis, but also there's uh, several modalities and these are not all inclusive that I know about or that I've experienced that work with the body and the brain and the subconscious to facilitate this reprogramming. And besides hypnosis, I know about QNRT, which is quantum neuro reset therapy. There's something called psych K and I have not received that, but that is supposed to be really powerful. Brain spotting will access that as well as EMDR. And a lot of therapists I know will be trained to do EMDR as well. So usually you can find a therapist who does EMDR that will be covered through insurance as well as brain spotting. You know, many of us have been programmed with faulty programs that really don't serve us and hold us back. And in many cases, in order to stay safe and cope and survive, we have learned to abandon ourselves in little and big ways. Maybe we were taught to ignore our own needs or desires and maybe prioritize others first and not to be quote unquote so selfish. But the problem is that most of us learn to help other people, but to the detriment of ourselves. We might have had to maybe prioritize taking care of siblings or catering to parents' needs, or maybe we felt we didn't have a voice in our family or that our emotions weren't acknowledged. And we also may have learned that if we speak up, it'll create conflict or that we judged as being like, quote unquote, too much or too needy or as a problem child. So whatever it is you're learning, there's certain things that you learn. And and in these examples, you might learn in these situations to just stay quiet and play small and do what everyone expects. But then as an adult, speaking up feels scary. Advocating for yourself feels foreign, impossible and unsafe. Because there's a program that's been running in the background that's told you that that's not okay based on your experience. So then you might miss opportunities. You might not have good boundaries. You might let people walk all over you. There's a variety of issues that can stem from this program and you don't really then understand, well, why consciously you might know like this person is walking all over me, but that's what you learn and that's what you're normalized to. I think most parents are well-intentioned and I know that there's people out there and parents out there that aren't well-intentioned, but for the most part, they are, but they are people and they're humans and they're imperfect and they can't always protect their kids from faulty or bad programming, from habits they learned, 
from society, from media. It's not even just the parents all the time. It's like we live in society. And, you know, when I was older, I recall that I was encouraged by my parents often to listen to my heart. But as a younger child growing up in the late 70s, early 80s, I think that the programming of society at large was not necessarily to listen to your own needs or do what you feel. I recall and I experienced that it was mostly about obeying rules at all costs, even if that means to the detriment of yourself, doing what you're supposed to, listening to everyone else, falling in line, sucking it up. I think, you know, these things aren't necessarily bad altogether, but there was common messages that included pushing down your feelings. It's not acceptable or appropriate to feel pushing down your needs to take care of others, which I think is culturally conditioned into us as humans, but especially as women. Of course, the ever popular program of you're a woman, you need to be nice. You need to be a good girl, be a lady. You need to stay small and stay quiet and don't make waves and just fit in and be liked and don't stand out. You need to get thin, but don't get too thin. And also, you need to be unique and outstanding and exceptional, but don't stand out too much. And also, don't be a problem, but also don't be too loud or too much. And I'm only a good girl or boy if I stay quiet and get good grades, things like this. It's not to say that some of these programs also don't serve us. I mean, we do need to fit into society and we do need to follow the rules in order to be successful and these programs can be problematic when it comes to interpersonal relations and other issues that we might have. So I want to ask you right now, what area or areas in your life seem to be exceptionally hard, no matter what you do, and that it's really hard to change, or that you struggle with no matter how hard you try? And where are things not very easy for you? And where are things kind of easier like what things come naturally what areas of your life feel like you know this is like a program that serves me like here's some common areas so income and money most people on earth have a money story that doesn't serve them in some way even the fact that a lot of women are under earning that's a really interesting one to contemplate even if you're making a pretty good living for yourself we might have a glass ceiling in our heads because of the programming. And this could be with men too. A lot of people have a program about weight. A lot of people have a program that doesn't serve them about relationships. Some have a bad program about health. So where is your programming if you had to say? And I want to encourage you now and invite you to, you can listen to this first and then pause it. And I want you to write a list of affirmations And it's of one or two things, or maybe it's a few things that you really want to reprogram right now that you're aware of. And I want you to write the affirmation as if it's already happened. And then you're going to read them in the morning when you wake up because you're in that theta space. And you're also going to read them at night before going to bed. And ideally, you can read them out loud. And if you can't read them out loud, that's okay. If you also can only just do it once a day, that's better than not at all. If you can even do it more than that, that's amazing. And 
when you're reading these affirmations, even if you're reading them quickly, I want you to let the pictures in your head get activated and formed when you're reading your affirmations. And, you know, you can also record yourself reading the affirmations and then the play the recording of the reading your own affirmations back to yourself. That's really powerful, too, because then you're hearing it. This is a really powerful exercise, and I want to encourage you to do it for at least 30 days. But if you can do it for 60 or 90, I want you to watch what happens. You can do this with material things, or you can do it with behaviors that you want to change. Or it can just be that you're overreactive and that you want to reprogram an internal behavior. And it's just really powerful. And I want to provide an example of a format that's good to use. So it's really good to say your name and be specific and state it in the present tense if it's already happened for you or to you. So here's the format that I use. So I say this, and you should say this too if you feel inclined. If you have a different way to do affirmations, by all means, please use what you're comfortable with. So I say, I, Sam, am so happy and grateful now that. So all of your sentences should start with I, then your name, am so happy and grateful because you're expressing gratitude and gratitude draws what you want to you as if it's already happened because that's a high vibrational word and feeling. So I say I'm so happy and grateful now that I. And here's one that I've said and here's one that has been suggested. I'm just going to give some examples. Now that I make increasing amounts of money from multiple sources on an ongoing basis with ease. Here's another one. I, Sam, am so happy and grateful that I feel safe to acknowledge my feelings and sensations, practice being present to and aware of my body and its sensations, and curious enough to allow my body to process those sensations with ease. Those are just a couple examples. Yours can be simpler. And another thing I want to encourage is besides reading the affirmations out loud in the morning, in the, in the evening, and remember the reason for that is because you're in a theta state, which makes you more programmable. It's really great that you pick out one affirmation a day and write it at least five to 10 times. And as you're writing it, again, envision what you're writing about and just let it be there. Let the images be there. And through repetition of saying it and writing it, you're programming your brain and your body and your mind, and you're downloading it into your subconscious so that it becomes a program that you then run. So this is one way that you can reprogram. And again, there are other ways. Apparently, the modality of Site K is supposed to help you reprogram with way less time than repetition. Hypnosis can act really quickly as well. So I want to encourage you to do research, find what works for you, but start utilizing this tool that you have called your brain and your mind and all of your faculties of imagination and thought and will and perception and intuition to create these amazing feelings and images to download them into your subconscious 
so you can have real change in your life and you can create programs that serve you. You are an amazing human computer. You are a supercomputer. Your computer needs to be plugged in, taken out, and replugged in, just like a computer or your phone. And it needs to have programming that serves you for what you want to do. I hope that something today touched you or that you learned something. And I'm really grateful that you took time to listen today wherever you are. And I really appreciate you. And I can't wait to see how the work that you do helps you reprogram your life and your mind and your body. And if you do this and you're finding little results or big results, please let me know. I love hearing about people's success and their wins and their progress. And until next time, love ya. And hey, I also want to invite you to join me for my six-month coaching program. I'll work with just you one-on-one, and I'm going to help you get the results that I know you can get. I promise your life will be different. Go to www.rebelheartcoaching.com to sign up for a consult today. I'll see you inside.